It's Rico Daily. I'm Adam Clark Estes. If I were to use the word nerdle, what would come to mind? A cute Pokemon like Squirtle? Squirtle! Squirtle, Squirtle! Or someone who's obsessed with the game Wordle? Are you a nerdle? Have you fallen in love with Wordle? Well, whatever a nerdle is, it's got to be something cute and fun, right? Um, why they're called nerdles as well. It's such a weird name, isn't it? It is a, it is a strange program. name. Yeah. I've heard of needles and noodles. Never <laughs> <but laughs> nerdles. Okay, okay. So what are they? Because at this point, I'm pretty sure I want one. A nerdle is the pre-production plastic pellet. The official name for it is a resin. Oh, that doesn't sound so fun. It's a small bead of pure plastic, essentially. It's about the size of a lentil. And this is the building block of all plastics. For the plastics world, it's, it's, it's like an essential component of production. That's the voice of Vox's Science and Recode fellow, Neil Dinesha. So plastic producers will take hundreds or thousands of these nurdles and melt them down and pour them into casts. And they'll make water bottles or sewage pipes or steering wheels or any of the other gazillion plastic things that we use in our lives every day. Despite their cute name, nurdles are an environmental disaster. They're spilling out of plastic plants and shipping containers at alarming rates, infiltrating waterways, and harming the marine life that exists within them. Neil recently reported on the pervasive problem of nurdle pollution and the efforts to stop it. He joins us now to tell us what he found. Nurdles are not fun. They're not candy, but they're everywhere. How are nurdles able to escape and how do they end up in our waterways? The most common way that they get out into the waterways is they're just spilling out during the regular production or transportation process. So when they're loaded onto rail cars, for example, what these companies that produce them use is they take these giant pneumatic hoses and just blow them into the rail cars. And these hoses aren't exactly airtight. And so they sort of escape around the sides of it. Or when they're going down the train track, the movement of the rail car will just shake nurdles out of the container, um, or they fall off ships when they're being transported um, long distances on sh- by ship. Last year, a ship carrying a bunch of them sunk off the coast of Sri Lanka and caused what the United Nations called the largest plastic spill ever. The cleanup task is immense. On top of the chemicals in the sunken MV Express Pearl are billions of these so-called nurdles, tiny plastic pellets used to make plastic bags washing up on Sri Lankan beaches. Oceanography experts say it's a brutal combination. In 2020, a storm blew a container off a ship in New Orleans. That container was full of nurdles and millions of them got into the water at once. What's the scale of the problem? How many nurdles do we think are out in the world? A study from a few years ago estimated that about 200,000 metric tons of nurdles are getting into waterways every year. And nurdles are light. They're about 20 milligrams each. And so that equates to about 10 trillion nurdles every year. Okay, so 10 trillion nurdles infiltrating marine ecosystems every year. Is this worldwide or are there places where the problem is worse? Where are they mostly found? They're often found where petrochemical production sites are. Um, In the U.S., that means that they're found along the Gulf Coast, especially in Texas and Louisiana. But they're definitely found all over the world because plastic production sites are found all over the world. I think in the U.K., the estimate's something like 54 million nurdles there alone every year. Hunting for nurdles. Here in Scotland and all across the U.K., people are scouring the beaches for tiny plastic pellets. Okay, so again... 
lots of nurdles, trillions all over the world. What kind of effects do nurdles have on the water and the ecosystems? So there's all kinds of ways that nurdles can affect an ecosystem. The most direct way is um, animals can eat them. And what that can cause is, you know, animals like seabirds or turtles or fish will eat these things and then they'll fill up on these nurdles. And obviously plastic doesn't provide any nutritional value to an animal, but it does sort of just sit in their stomach. So what can happen is that over time, the animal will feel full because they've eaten all these nurdles and they won't eat anything else. So they can't eat as much as they usually need to because there's so many of these in their stomach. And over time, they just starve to death without knowing they're starving. And another thing they can do is that because nurdles are hydrophobic, when they're in water, they sort of absorb all these pollutants that are floating in the water without absorbing any of the water. And so they can become vectors for these pollutants, which they can then pass up into animals that eat them and eventually potentially into humans that eat those animals. Nurdles break down over time. They don't biodegrade, but they do break into smaller pieces. So they are actually the second largest source of microplastics in the world because there's just so many of them and they break down very easily. So they're pollutants that absorb more pollutants and become super pollutants, it sounds like. And how do they affect humans? Even before a nurdle is produced or while a nurdle is taking shape, they affect humans in that the plastics production process is, is not exactly the cleanest process in the world. And lots of plastic production sites are alongside communities of color. And these communities of color are affected by industrial pollution. And some of the pollutants you can find coming out of plastic production sites include things like ethylene oxide and styrene and benzene. And so one very obvious way is just in the chemicals that are produced when nurdles are being made. But the other way it can affect humans is through the microplastics they create. A recent study found that up to 80% of adult humans have microplastics in their blood. We still don't really know what that effect has on our bodies. But scientists are concerned for good reason. Um, these plastics, like I said, pick up pollutants. And plastics on their own are endocrine disruptors, which means they can affect development in animals, including humans. And so what the long-term impact of these is, is still up for debate, but definitely concerning. So because I eat fish and fish eat microplastics, those microplastics end up not just in my body, but pulsing through my bloodstream. Basically, yes. Awesome. Okay, well, who's responsible? What are the companies and, and what's their response to this contamination? You know, there are all kinds of companies that uh, make plastics. In my story, I wrote about two of them, Dow Chemical and Formosa Plastics. But realistically, it's it's basically every large oil and gas company has some hand in this because oil and gas companies are increasingly pivoting to plastic. The response has been this program called Operation Clean Sweep, which is a voluntary program that's supposed to establish best practices to prevent nurdles from getting into the environment. This clearly hasn't worked. Um, e even companies that are members of what they called OCS Blue, which is their quote-unquote VIP member level. People like Formosa Plastics, which was recently fined $50 million in Texas for polluting nurdles into the bay that their plastic plant was on. When I talk to folks in the plastics industry about this problem, a thing that they like to talk about a lot is recycling, which has sort of always been the plastics industry response to plastic pollution. And realistically, nurdles have nothing to do with recycling because consumers never touch them. Well, if the companies aren't doing 
much is there any effort at all to to clean up these nurdle spills and and to get them out of the water as much as possible folks i've talked to have said that the best solution for this is going to come through policy all my sources pointed to the clean water act which is sort of the bedrock environmental law regarding our america's waterways and they say that the way to fix this problem is to classify nurdles as pollutants under the clean water act California so far is the only state to have done this. In 2007, they introduced a plastic pollution law that specifically targeted plastic pollution. But no other state has taken steps in this direction. Laws have been introduced in Texas and South Carolina, which would go in this direction, but they stalled. And at the federal level, there were two laws, the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act and the Pellet Free Waters Act, both of which were introduced last year and haven't moved forward. So the fixes are there, they're on people's minds, but they haven't been moving anywhere. Well, what about just going out and cleaning them up, scooping them out of the ocean? Isn't that what the Coast Guard's for? Theoretically, yes. The Coast Guard is is responsible for cleaning up oil spills and spills of toxic pollutants in general. Um, But again, because nurdles aren't classified as pollutants or as hazardous materials, the Coast Guard has no responsibility for cleaning these up. That's actually exactly what happened last time there was a large spill um, in the Mississippi in 2020. The Coast Guard said, oh, this is not our responsibility. And then all these state agencies in Louisiana were like, wait, you usually handle spills. We don't know what to do here. And there was a whole rigmarole of kicking the can around. If the Coast Guard was asked to clean up nurdle spills, you know, that would help, definitely help because you'd have an agency that's responsible for coordinating these these cleanup efforts, which we currently don't have. The problem is cleaning up nurdles is really, really hard. There's currently no really good way to do it because partly because it's just so small and there's usually so many of them. When I was in Louisiana, I saw dozens of them floating in the water and my source tried scooping a few of them up, but there's no way she could get all of the ones that we saw in the water. And, you know, there's some companies that have, that have invented things that are essentially vacuums with sieves that would bring in the nurdles and spit back out the sand that's on the beach that, they, that they're vacuumed up from. But doing that in the water is really hard. So right now, no one really knows what the best practice is for cleaning these things up from the water. At the very least, are there some possible solutions to prevent the spills from happening in the first place? Definitely. And, and these are all things that my sources say are like frustratingly easy you know companies that are loading nurdles onto train cars using those plastic hoses could put little pens underneath the loading area to catch any nurdles that fall out instead of letting them spill and onto the floor you take those pens and put them back into the loading pipe you can put grates on sewers uh, on on pipes that catch the nurdles before they wash into the waterways when nurdles are packed into bags, those bags can be just made sturdier so that they don't tear as easily and let nurdles spill out. Another thing that I've seen people talk about is if nurdles were classified as as hazardous or, or as pollutants, a side effect of that would be that they would then be stored below decks on a ship. So you wouldn't necessarily see as much easy contamination because, you know, if they spilled out of a container, they'd spill into a ship, but not necessarily into the water around the ship. So like little changes here and there like that could actually make a big difference. Well, Neil, thanks for joining us and explaining this. It sounds extremely concerning, uh, but I'm glad you're on the story. Thanks for having me. This episode was produced and engineered by John Ahrens. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Thanks for listening.